Okay, so our scripture for today is Romans 6, 12 through 23. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give into sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean that we can go on sinning? Of course not. Don't, don't you realize that you've become a slave to whatever you choose to obey? You can choose to be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God. Once you were slaves of sin, but now you are wholehearted now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. Because of the weakness of your human nature, I am using the illustration of slavery to help you understand this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led ever deeper into sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you will become holy. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves to God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. If y'all would pray with me. Father, I thank you so much for this day, for the beauty of the rain that you have blessed us with. Um, I just pray for a gentler rain next time. Uh, Lord, I ask that you would continue to just wash over this place with your love and with your grace. Lord, that you would protect everyone as they travel, for this is a busy, busy week. Lord, that you would just be so ever-present in this space. I ask that you would be with Ryan as he comes and preaches your word. I ask that you would be with his family. Uh, Lord, I just thank you so much for this place, for this church, for all that you have done in it and all that you will continue to do. Lord, you are so good. This is all in your holy and precious name, Father. Amen. Thank you for downloading our podcast. Make sure to subscribe to get new ones every week. And don't forget to check out First Methodist Sweetwater's website and social media. Now, here is Pastor Ryan Strebeck. Uh, I've really enjoyed reading uh, the past couple of years, uh, and and I forget who was in my office recently and saw my stack of books from the latest season, and they were like, wow, that seems like a lot of books. And what you don't realize is that I read a lot of books at once, but I rarely read an entire book ever. Uh, so it drives my wife absolutely crazy. It's like, why can't you just read one book, start to finish, and then start the next book? I'm like, well, that's no fun. The interest change, you know, it's July 4th. I always think of Independence Day. So every Independence Day season, I pick up a book. I try to read something on 
you know, American history, early American history. And I've enjoyed the last couple of years reading um, a book called Founding Brothers by Joseph Ellis. And uh, one of the relationships that they explore, that he explores, is the relationship between Thomas Jefferson and John Adams. Uh, and really, Abigail Adams was very involved in that whole thing, too. Uh, but it's a beautiful friendship. Uh, it's a wonderful friendship in the early days of the revolution. They work really well together. They're very different personalities. And so they complement each other well. They drive each other a little bit crazy, but in the early days, they're all on the same page and everybody's just trying to get free. So they work really well together. Things go well. Uh, great friendship. And then comes the election of 1800. Uh, so, you know, we're 25 years on the other side of, of American independence. And, and now, and Adams has been the president and he loses the election to his good friend, Thomas Jefferson. And of course, in every political campaign, there's mud slinging and all the different stuff, and they're not on the best of terms. They have very differing ideas about what America should look like post-revolution. And uh, in the end, Jefferson wins the election. Uh, Adams loses the election, and he pretty much retires from that point from public life. And so 1800, Adams kind of slips away. And from 1800 to 1812, so 12 full years, John Adams and Thomas Jefferson do not say one word to each other. They don't exchange a letter. They don't, they don't visit each other. They don't send word through missionaries. They don't say a word. And the, the, it's very mutual. They don't like each other, and they're not going to talk to each other. And then, you know, Abigail kind of gets to work, and there's some different things that happen, and they both are moving on. And, in, and on January 1st, of 1812, Adams decides that he's going to break the silence. He's going to mend the fences. And so he kind of puts himself out there first and he engages Jefferson in 1812. And it went about as well as it could. And for the next 14 years, they exchanged, get this, 158 letters. That's almost one letter per month on average for 14 years. And that's a lot of communication. That's basically like a daily text at this point. Uh, it, it's, that's a lot of things to say to one another. And they argued, I mean, they, they had fits with each other. Uh, you know, this is where I think we need to go with France. And this is where I think we need to go with France. And this is what I think about slavery. And this is what I think about slavery. And they fought and they fought and they fought, but through the conversations and through the letters, they mended their friendship. And it was through the correspondence that they became friends again. I mean, they were, I guess they were always friends, but they really got close again. And Ethan was reminding me my son last night that Adams and Jefferson died on the same day, on July 4th, 1826. Thank you, Aiden. There you go. 1826. So those 14 years, um, you know, they're, they're restoring their relationship and their friendship was recovered. And of course, in that friendship, one of the major arguments, and, and this was true for a lot of the what we'd call the founding fathers and, and mothers, but there was a big debate, as you know, about, okay, now that we're free, what in the world do we do with our freedom? How do we stay free, in other words? Uh, and so there was a lot of different theories on that, and we're not going to get into that. But basically, what is the role of government, and how do we stay free, right? We're still having these fights today. The Federalists versus the Democratic Republicans, and now it's Democrats versus Republicans, whatever. But anyways, that fight went on. How do we stay free? And that was the subject of a lot of their arguments and I thought that was a really good segue into Romans 6 this year, which is our text today, which Avery read for us, where the Apostle Paul in Romans 6 is asking the question, I think, for the sake of the church, now that we're free, 
what do we do with our freedom? How do we stay free? In other words, I mean, we, we see that we're free, and he starts the chapter saying, well, gosh, now that we have all this grace, should we just sin more that grace may abound? And he says, by no means, we don't do that. We know that we can't exhaust the grace of God, but our, our life that we were called to, that's not the point, is to try to exhaust the grace of God. Uh, well, we do that plenty without trying, you know, but it's, it's, there's, there's a different vision for humanity. Now that we're free, how do we stay free? And so Romans 6 is just a great, uh, it's, it's a great back and forth on the different things that we can do with our freedom. You and I start because we are created by God. We are endowed with this beautiful thing called free will. And we have the ability to choose. We have the ability to wake up and decide what we're going to do today, what we're going to do tomorrow. We have the ability to decide what we're going to do with our desires, what we're going to attach them to, what we're going to learn to love, what we're going to respond to, what we're not going to respond to. We do all kinds of things with our freedom, with our free will. And Paul lays out two pathways. If you go this way, he says, this is where you're going to end up. And he uses the language of end. This is the end of this race. And then he says, or you could go this way, and you could end the race here. One race is where the end, Paul says, where you're going to get to, the finish line of this race is that sin will reign. It will, it will have sway over your life and over your mortal body, over your soul, over your will, and death is the end of this pathway. And then there's another pathway over here where you can be free. You can take your freedom and choose to submit it to the will of God. And if you do that, you're actually going to be freer than if you just took your freedom and did whatever in the world that you wanted to do. And so Paul used the language of, you know, who are we going to be slaves to, basically? Or who are we going to be prisoners to? Are we going to be prisoners of sin and death? Or are we going to be prisoners of grace? And prisoners of grace, of course, ironically, ends up setting us free, whereas being a prisoner of, of sin and death, prisoners of our own will, leads us to just there, to death. And so you're going to obey somebody, Paul says. So who's it going to be? Is it going to be just yourself and your internal dialogue? Or are you going to learn to obey uh, the living God? So we, we have a choice here he's laying out for us. And so chapters 1 through 5 of Romans magnificently have told us that we are free. They've reminded us that it's not easy to get free, but it's very simple. And the way that you get free is you figure out the author of your freedom, who we learn is Jesus Christ. We figure out that we get in on salvation, which is the greatest gift that we could ever have. We don't have to earn it. We simply access it through uh, by grace, through faith. And so if we have faith in Jesus and we believe that Jesus is raised from the dead and we surrender our lives to him, we can be free, we can receive salvation, we can live forever. And so it's this beautiful uh, layout in the first five chapters. And then Paul changes, he turns his tone a little bit here and he says, okay, now that you've been awarded this great freedom, you've been awarded this great gift of salvation, well, what is it? What is salvation and what does it mean for your day-to-day -day life and what does it mean for your forever life? And so that's a lot of what he's talking about in this chapter and then in the chapters that follow. So, you know me, I'm pretty simple. I'm pretty basic. And I, I chart and graph a lot of things that I don't bother to share with you because it would just drive you crazy. But it's how I make sense of things. A lot of diagrams, lots of drawing, lots of pictures. 
Today, I have not spared you sharing my pictures with you. Um, and so I want to lay out the first pathway that Paul reminds us that we have a choice in. Uh, and so I'm, I'm bringing back my old ag economics here and inputs and outputs. So if you look at the first pathway uh, that we have here is what I'm just calling the end result is that you become a prisoner to sin. Uh, so next slide there. Well, let's see, we got two options. There we go. All right. So here you have, this is what it looks like to become a prisoner to sin. We don't start that way. We start out just saying, well, I, I just want to live my life. I just want to do me. I just want to do what I want to do. Uh, and so the F in this graph stands for uh, freedom, just freedom for freedom's sake. Like I just want to be free more than anything else. And that's the, so this, this vertical input is the one that we can control in these two graphs. So this, this is what we can control. This is what we do with our freedom. And then the, the horizontal piece of the graph is S, which stands for slavery. Uh, and so what, what are we a slave to? In this case, we're a slave to sin. And the end result is that we're a prisoner. And so we start out, and I, I made the graph kind of start out where it goes, it goes up faster, and then it levels out, which is a way of showing that when we just want to be free, you know, it's like, I just want to, I just don't want anybody to tell me what to do. It's like the truck that passes you on the freeway and it's got like 12 bumper stickers on the window and they're all some version of ain't nobody going to tell me what to do, right? Come and take it, all the stuff. Even my mama ain't going to tell me what to do. It's just this whole thing, right? It's this whole deal. I, I, more than anything else, I want people to know that no one tells me what to do. And that is one way to live. Uh, but when we live that way, it's like, it's fun for a minute. And it seems like we're going to get away with it. <laughs> and then after a while, we realize that we have actually been enslaved to something. And so over the course of time, we just become this ridiculous slave to sin and death. Uh, my design, my way of thinking doesn't leave me in a good place. And the cycle that we end up in there is one of condemnation, where we, we, we realize, we just feel... We feel that we are far from God. We feel far from ourselves and others, and we feel guilty. We feel shame for all the stuff, and then and it just leads in a real. It leads to a really bad place. It makes us feel like a prisoner, right? We're a prisoner to sin. Uh, freedom for freedom's sake. This is where it goes. So the irony here is that when we pursue freedom for freedom's sake, we become less free over time, not more free. And the end, of course, is sin and death. Now. So what we need to do when we find ourselves in this graph, which is we're all born in this graph. We are all born just wanting our way. I mean, we don't have to try hard to find this pathway. This graph is as natural to you and I as just walking outside in West Texas and knowing what the way, I mean, it's just, this is everyday stuff for us. But the alternate vision of living, it, it takes a jump. We can't just correct. It's not like we can just correct the line on the same graph. We have to have a new graph. And we'll talk about how we get to the other graph in a second. But for now, uh, if we could have the second graph, what's our second option? This is where we want to be. This is the other side of Romans 6. It's the same curve, but now the input that we're controlling, instead of just giving pursuing freedom for freedom's sake, the vertical axis here is to become a prisoner by our own will, to submit ourselves to become a prisoner of Jesus and so when we lay our life down, this Paul uses this language of, of offering the members of your body. Or another way to think of it is we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Everything that we have, when we submit that to someone, in this case, to God, to Christ, then what ironically happens, so basically I take my freedom and say, Lord, I don't want my freedom for myself anymore. I'm going to give it to you. 
I'm going to lay it down. And at first, it can kind of seem difficult. It's like when Jesus says, come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But the, it's still a yoke. And at first, it feels like a yoke sometimes. So it, it feels like we're just losing. You know, you start on the graph and you feel like, man, I'm just losing. I'm laying every, I've lost everything. I'm walking away from things. But over time, what we find is a freedom that we never could find on the old graph because this freedom is a freedom that Jesus gives us when we submit our lives, and it's, it, it's just exponential freedom. It's a freedom that never ends. It's a freedom that carries us beyond the grave throughout eternal life. And so this is a genuine freedom where we become more and more free, more and more free. And, uh, and, this, and of course, we learn this by uh, submitting ourselves to God's design, God's way of thinking, which is different than ours, naturally. And it yields, instead of a, a cycle of condemnation, it yields a cycle of freedom. We get in this cycle where we're just more and more free. I lay down my life, and, and I pick it up again. Jesus, Jesus is giving me new life and new life and new life. And it's a great cycle of freedom. So how do we get from prisoner to sin to prisoner to grace? How do we, how do we jump to the other graph? Because you can't, you know, for so much of my life, I just tried to alter the graph. I tried to change. I tried to just manipulate the arrow where I would just make minor adjustments. And it was so frustrating because I just didn't have the power to fix it. I didn't have the power to change it. I didn't have the power to forgive myself. I didn't have the power to set myself free. But I, man, I tried and I tried and I tried. And so I, finally, you realize what it takes is a conversion, a series of conversions. You have to be pulled from one graph to the other, one way of life to the other. And so the great news is we don't have to do this by ourselves. You know, we cooperate. And I have on my, on my paper here, um, you know, for moving from one graph to the other, it's this big line that moves from one result to the next. And it's, it's a change of input. And, it, and the Spirit is at work. The Holy Spirit is at work inside of us to bring about this change. Because what we need is a new relationship to ourselves. We need a new relationship to Christ. And it changes our sense of freedom. So the way that we jump from one graph to the next <clears throat> is basically the first thing we have to do to jump from one graph to the next is we have to acknowledge that we're on the dang wrong graph. You know, we have to acknowledge that we're on the wrong graph and it was, and it was, I'm complicit in being there and I want, and I want out, you know, I have to say I'm in the wrong cycle. I am a prisoner to sin. Uh, it's not, you know, the problem with the world is not the world. It's realizing that the problem with the world, it, I have a part to play in that. My experience of the world, the reason it's terrible sometimes is because there's terrible stuff going on inside of me. And I'm choosing to do things with my freedom that lead me to be a prisoner instead of being free. And so I acknowledge that and I go, oh my gosh, how did I miss it? I've been such a slave to sin and death. I've been such a prisoner to sin. Uh, and now I have, to, I have to release that. I have to acknowledge that. And that's called confession, you know, and it's not just confessing uh, to God, but it's me finding someone else that I can tell so that I, some trustworthy person, I can confess my sins and they can say, okay, I hear you. Thank you for confessing your sin. Now remember uh, that in the name of Jesus Christ, you're forgiven, just like we do before we take Holy Communion. In the name of Jesus Christ, you're forgiven. Okay, now, now we can move on. And First John says, right, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive our sins and he'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's a promise. It's a sturdy promise. 
We acknowledge our sin. And the great thing about this, it's not for God that we do this, right? This is for us. This is for our sake. God makes this pathway available where we can jump from one graph to the other because we need it, not because God needs it. God doesn't take any pleasure in hearing us say, oh, yes, Lord, I was, I was wrong. You're right. Okay, good. Well, now that we've got that straight, we can move on. I mean, God takes no pleasure in that. This is just for us. Uh, and so we acknowledge our sin. And then the next step, what we do is just, kind of a natural second thing is we repent. And, and sometimes we make repentance like this really negative thing, this really churchy thing where we sort of, um, I don't know, we think like, you know, some angry fist preacher something where repent, you know, uh, or we see the sign, we go to the city and we see someone holding the big sign, repent, you're going to, or you're all going to burn or whatever. But repentance is really, I mean, it's really just saying, Lord, save me. Lord, rescue me. I, I've acknowledged that I'm in a tough spot. I'm a prisoner and I'd like to be out of jail. Save me. Uh, I have a prayer that I pray all the time that, that I learned a long time ago. It's an ancient prayer. It's just called the Jesus prayer. And it's designed to pray breathing in and breathing out. And it's just very, it's very simple. It's uh, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God. And you say that as you're, as you're breathing in. And Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God. And then you breathe out, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, uh, a sinner. And it's just something I do I, when I'm going to bed, when I first wake up in the morning. It's just it's a way of saying, Lord, save me. Lord, rescue me. I need your help today. Uh, I love that uh, Raniero Cantalamesa says it this way about repentance. He says, you know, it's the old adage is true that, that to err is human. You all remember that? You've heard that? To, to, to make errors is human. But he said the most human thing that we can do is to repent. That, that's when we really come alive as a human being is when we turn from all the places that have been dead ends for us and now we choose a path that gives life. And that's the most human thing that we can do is to turn towards true love, you know, to turn towards someone who loves us back in the right way, finding our true self. Uh, it's like Augustine said so long ago, you know, he said, Lord, I believe that the desire to please you pleases you. Uh, it's, it's, it's just getting in touch with that great desire inside of us. It begins, repentance begins with feeling a sorrow that leads us to repentance, uh, as the scriptures say, and moves through gratitude. You know, we see Jesus on the cross and we say, Lord, thank you for what you did for me and for us. But it results, repentance always results in feeling free. If you feel condemnation on the other side of repentance, then it was not repentance. It was, it was something else. Uh, but when we repent, we, 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 get, we feel free. We should not feel condemnation anymore uh, if, it's, if it's really repentance because it changes us. And so we feel free. We don't feel shame. We don't feel like we're in prison anymore. We look at our hands and we say, man, it's great to have these shackles off. You know, let's go. So a big summary, you know, of what Paul is saying in Romans 6 is true freedom is only found in taking our freedom and submitting it to Jesus, you know, uh, that's how we get. That's how we lose the the shackles. Is we we give our freedom to Jesus. We surrender ourselves, our heart, our soul, our mind, and strength to Christ. And it takes time, uh, but the good news is we we have these moments of acceleration where we're you know we're at church camp or we're on a retreat. Uh, we're 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 spending time with our children, our grandchildren. We're we're on vacation. I don't know. We you know we have these moments where we're receiving Holy Communion. Uh, we're praying for someone, and these these moments of conversion where they it's like we just we we jump 
You know, it's not just a steady thing. It's like, oh, I'm now I'm on mile one and I feel like now I'm mile 14. That's great. Uh, some of the miles feel really hard and then some of them we, we feel like we're being carried along. But through the sacraments, through the word of God, through the life of the church, the friendships with one another, we, we get there and we remember each day. That, that, and this is why it's so great after, after Romans 6. So we get to the beginning of chapter 8 and Paul says, there is therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. Because you've chosen this pathway. You, you've said you don't want to be a prisoner anymore, so you made yourself a prisoner to Jesus, and there's no condemnation on that pathway. It's gone. Because Jesus took that condemnation to the cross. I want to close with uh, the great line from Charles Wesley that we sing uh, in, the, in the great hymn, uh, Oh, Four Thousand Tongues to Sing. He says, you know, he breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoner free. That's the gospel, uh, that, that Jesus breaks the power of canceled sin on the cross and he sets the prisoner free. So we offer our lives to that and it will always be a journey of freedom. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.